Father Louis Shea was a member of my province who spent his entire priesthood in Africa. I think it was about 30 years in Nigeria and 20-something years or close to it in Kenya. He was a man renowned not only for his holiness but also his grasp of finances. When uh, he died or when he was dying in Kisumu in western Kenya, thousands of people came to visit him before he died to thank them for his help in helping them save their money and invest their money wisely. He was kind of a pioneer in the field of microfinance. When he died also, there were thousands at his funerals and four or five bishops, in fact. He was a man of renowned holiness and goodness. I met Father Louis about a year before he died when he was in Chicago. Uh, he was there receiving treatment for melanoma. And when I met Louis, his face was severely disfigured by the melanoma. We had one conversation, I had one conversation ever with him, and it was a conversation that changed my life. Because he was a man who was totally and utterly disfigured by any measure of the word uh, beautiful in terms of a worldly sense. We wouldn't have said or applied that to Louis at that point in his life. And yet, he was, without a doubt, one of the most beautiful people I've ever met, and still to this day, because the love of God had totally transformed his life. Here he was, a man later in life, who was simply trying to get healthy enough so that he could go back and die in his beloved Africa, which he did, and which he was able to do. But that day, that simple conversation when we were talking about his life and my desire to become a Dominican, he helped to transform through his inner beauty, through his love and total transformation to Christ and conformity to him, a knuckle-headed 23-year-old. And so I remain ever in his debt. In the readings today, we are also challenged by God directly to look at the way and we look at the world to assess our perspective on things and to ask honestly, do we see these things through the eyes of faith? We see in the first reading this juxtaposition between the vision of Samuel versus the vision of God. In the second reading from St. Paul, we have this contrast of light and darkness. Obviously, in the gospel, we have the story of a man's sight being restored to him. Jesus is speaking to each and every one of us today and challenging us to our very core to really look at, to really address how we view the world. Not only in terms of how we view the world in physical sight, but how we view the world in terms of my place in the world and what God is asking of me in this world. As Catholics, we believe not only that Jesus has come into this world, but because of that, it changes everything in our life. In fact, because of the incarnation, because of the Paschal mystery, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, we believe it is possible not only to see the world through the eyes of faith and through the eyes of Jesus, but that that is the only real way of looking at the world. That because of who Jesus is and how he has impacted and come into our life, we must view the world through his eyes. We must see the world as he sees it. This is a way of saying the Catholic worldview, that our faith informs everything in the world. So often in our life, we put our faith at the secondary thing. Our politics, our economics, our jobs, our relationships, our social status inform our faith when 
in the incarnation, Jesus coming into this world, God becoming a human being, we are challenged and confronted with the reality that the only way to look, look at the world honestly and truly is through that lens, through our faith, through the gift that was imparted of faith on us in baptism. And when we start to do that, themes and pillars or whatever you want to call them arise, and I'd like to focus on three today. The first, so to speak, pillar or theme of the Catholic worldview is the infinite value of every human life, the absolute necessity of every human being. It's so easy in this world to view people as objects or as things, and we see that in the gospel. The Pharisees see this blind man, and they just want to poo-poo him away. They just want to throw him away. Oh, he's just a sinner. He's just you know, dirty and ugly and not to be dealt with. And yet Jesus comes in and says, not only is this man beautiful and wonderful, but Jesus looks beyond his brokenness, looks beyond his sin, and sees the infinite capacity he has for good and for love, and speaks into that and gives him sight. This is a value that we approach. This is why it's so important for us to value life from conception until natural death and to see all of the issues that impact life as meaningful and of uh, worth. Second concept or pillar that arises of the Catholic worldview is the necessity of beauty. One of the great scandals and tragedies of our life is the eroticization of beauty. We see something that is beautiful and attractive, a car or a painting or something like that that has nothing to do with the human figure and it's described in somehow sexual terms. We see the fulfillment of beauty in a, in a really bodily and carnal way. And the Catholic worldview, interestingly enough, helps us to see the human body and sexuality in its most beautiful and positive way, but that's a part of it. When we make it the only and the end of the, our understanding of beauty, it diminishes what beauty does. In the first reading, we hear or see Samuel's interactions with Jesse and his sons. And he sees Eliab and he sees the kingliness and he's like, that's the one. But that's what he's looking at is for something kingly, for something that catches his eye. But as God says to him, not as man sees, does God see. God looks into the heart. And when, uh, not Jesse, when David comes into his life, we have this beautiful image of not only him seeing something that's physically beautiful, but of that leading Samuel to the universal, to seeing what God can do and desires to do in all of humanity. And that's what beauty does for us. It leads us from something that's particular and wonderful to something that is way beyond that. It leads us to God himself, who is beauty. And so we have this particular pillar as well. The last pillar that I would like to recognize is the necessity of vulnerability and intimacy. St. Paul says, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the world. We like to hide our scars, our brokenness, our shortcomings. We don't like to share those with other people. One of the sadnesses I have working in campus ministry is talking with people who only talk to a therapist or to a parent about their struggles. They don't invite peers and friends into that battle. They don't want to bring that light in there because they're afraid of how it could be used against them, and understandably so. But in the Catholic worldview, we recognize that we're made for each other. We're made for communion. I bring all of these things up in this difficult time because we are called right now more than ever in the midst of this pandemic, in the midst of the chaos and terror that's going on in our world, to be saints, to change the world, to look upon our brothers and sisters as infinitely valuable, as necessary, as good, 
to bring them love, to show them mercy, to take whatever steps is necessary to build up and protect each other. We're called to emphasize and define the beauty in this world. As Christians, as those who know and love God, we can, even in the midst of darkness, see the light and see the beautiful things which will unite us and bring us together, to emphasize the good over the bad, to find that which leads us to eternity over those things which pull us down and get us caught up in worldly affairs. And lastly, you know, as I said, we're made for community. We're made for unity with each other. There is a real opportunity right now to build community in new and exciting ways, to now allow ourselves to be physically isolated and spiritually and emotionally isolated as well. We are called to build up the kingdom, to love each other, to reach out, to build that unity, to love and to serve in new and profound ways, to take that vision, that sight that God has given to us, and to have it be meaningful and purposeful. More than anything right now in this search for vision and the search for seeing the world through and with and in the eyes of Jesus Christ, we have an opportunity before us to look face to face with Jesus. God has, in one way, in his infinite mercy and love for us, stripped away many of the distractions that keep us from prayer. You know, there are no sports, there's not a whole lot going on in the entertainment world, there's not a whole lot of news outside of the coronavirus. Most of us are in a place where we're not going out and being sociable and all of those things. And God desires to look upon us. He desires to walk into our life, to open our eyes, to come in and to totally transform our entire being inside and out. If the vision, the conversation, simple conversation with a holy old priest can change the life of a knuckle-headed 23-year-old, imagine how much more the life of Christ the beautiful face of our incarnate Lord staring, gazing lovingly into our hearts and into our lives can do for us. We were all born blind. We were all born in sin. Jesus gives us sight. He gives us a way to view the world. And he desires to see the world, to act in the world through each one of us.